So, today, we're going to forego comedy for a serious subject. That subject is exorcism. The whole thing about exorcism and demons and and how the actual film, The Exorcist from 1973, uh, came on the scene and it totally blew out of proportion an actual demonic possession. Um, things like that do not happen in actual demonic possessions. So, uh, today's episode is going to be speaking about exorcism and demonic possession. It's not meant to be funny. It's not meant to scare anyone. One has to remember you have to have faith. You have to be a believer in God and have faith. And anyone can perform an expulsion of a demon from an individual. It's in the Bible, it's true. So here we go. I want you to put out the lights, maybe light a candle or an electric candle for safety. (laughs) And enjoy today's program. Let me know what you thought. Let me know what you think. Uh, leave, leave me a message on, on the message uh, link. And uh, let's get right to it, shall we? about possession as most priests. What an excellent day for an exorcism. Be me. Why you do this to me? Please, Timmy. I'm afraid. When The Exorcist, based on the novel by William Blatty, came to theaters in 1973, it captured the public's imagination, or more accurately, our nightmares. Exorcisms aren't just the stuff of horror movies. Hundreds of thousands of Italian Catholics reportedly request them each year. But when William Friedkin directed the iconic movie, he hadn't seen one. It took him four decades. During a meeting with Father Gabriele Amort, chief exorcist for the Diocese of Rome, Friedkin had a chance to change that. I asked him if he would ever allow me to witness an exorcism, which is never done. It's not an entertainment. It's not for show. Uh, But he had a wide berth. And a couple of days later, I got an email from the head of his order saying, okay, Father Amorth will allow you to witness an exorcism on May 1st of 2016 at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. 
Friedkin took a small camera with him, and that footage became the central scene of his new documentary called The Devil and Father Amort. I asked Friedkin to tell me about the woman whose exorcism he watched, 46-year-old Christina. She was an architect and a very attractive, intelligent, soft-spoken, wonderful woman. And when she came into the room, I wondered, what is she doing here? She seems to me to be totally together. And then during the exorcism, she completely unraveled. She spoke in a voice that was completely different from her own. She had what I would say was a natural amount of strength for a woman her size and age, and her entire personality had altered. What was it like to be in that room? Terrifying. I was scared, seriously scared. I was two feet away from them, as I am from you. And I was terrified. Gradually, my fear turned into empathy for her. She was in seemingly unnatural and total pain. You then go off and talk to brain surgeons and psychiatrists, and you show them the footage that you took. Tell us what they said. Well, I expected they would debunk it and give me a medical or psychiatric term for it. But they don't. The brain surgeons all said they don't know what this is. Uh, These were guys who have done over 5,000 brain surgeries each. Mm. So I took it to them and they all to a person said, we don't know what this is. It's not epilepsy. It's not a lesion in the temporal lobe. We would not know what to remove from her brain to solve this. And the psychiatrist told me, to my astonishment, uh, that psychiatry now recognizes it as something called dissociative identity disorder, demonic possession. The doctor who is the head of the UCLA hospital uh, said to me in the film, just because we don't know about something doesn't mean it didn't happen. There are many things like radioactivity that we knew nothing about for the longest time. And maybe someday they'll find some medical or other term for possession. I don't know. So when you look back at at the horror film that you made that was a work of fiction and the actual exorcism that you witnessed. How do you reconcile those two things? I don't have to reconcile them. One is a work of fiction, the other is not. It is what I saw. But Blatty's novel and film is what people think about when they think about an exorcism. There's no doubt of that. And I don't know that that ever happened anytime, anywhere, and I tend to doubt it. I have to, because I have you here, I have to say that I saw The Exorcist, of course, when I was a very young child. I think I was about six years old. My siblings showed it to Wrong. me. Wrong. Wrong. It scarred <laughs> me. It scarred me in, in ways that still exist. I'm, so, I'm sorry, and yeah. I mean that. Uh, you know, I'm Catholic, so mm-hmm. it, it really sort of touched something deeply terrifying. And I'm curious why you think the idea of demon possession scares us in that way. Even for people who don't believe in it, it's still something that really affects people. Because it's at the height of the supernatural. 
things we don't know or understand. We don't understand anything, really. No matter what your religion or lack of it, we don't know anything about the eternal truths. Is there an afterlife? Is there a heaven or a hell? People can have faith and belief, but we know nothing. Not the Pope, not Bertrand Russell, or the greatest thinkers really know the answers to these questions. Mm. You said that you found this exorcism deeply frightening. Is it something that of what your nightmares have made of, having given so many nightmares to others? I really don't have nightmares. You're Lucky sorry you. to hear, I'm sure. Uh, the whole experience really scared me while I was there. But as I told you, my fear turned to empathy for her completely because Father Amor died last year without having liberated her. And she has sought other exorcists, but he was in a class by himself. That was William Friedkin, director of The Exorcist. His new documentary is The Devil and Father Amort. Excellent interview with the exorcist director, William Friedkin. Now let's get into the more more realistic aspect, more in-depth, I should say, uh, in-depth of the topic of possession. And I bring to you from Coast to Coast AM, Are You Possessed? Are you possessed? That's Joshua Warren's paranormal moment in just a moment on Coast to Coast AM. Well, here he is, Joshua P. Warren, back for another weekly report. We call it the the paranormal moment. Hey, Josh, how are you? Doing great. And uh, tonight, George, it's one of those shows. I must warn you and the listeners. It's going to get creepy. We've also got a little excerpt you sent us of an exorcism, huh? You know, sometimes when audio from one of these things is played, it is so disturbing that people actually turn off the radio. And so uh, a little bit later, at the the appropriate time, um, the listeners are going to hear something that is truly hair-raising. And it also is a great example of what I personally have heard when I have been there in the field at places where these exorcisms are taking place. And one thing that I'd like to talk about tonight is this idea of possession as something that goes beyond what you think of when you see a Hollywood film like The Exorcist. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I first got involved in this field... I didn't know really what to think about possession. It, it really seemed kind of silly. It, it seemed like a, a, a concept that was unrealistic or unbelievable. But, you know, now that I know so much more, and I'm going to do my best to try to explain this very intricate concept of, of how the, a person may become possessed, I've gotten to the point to where I think, you know, if 
you are possessed, and I'm talking to everybody listening to this show, you know, if you're possessed, how do you know it? You know, what if you are possessed and you don't even know it? Who's going to tell you this? You know, what format do we have in society when someone could come up to you and say, you know, I think you're possessed? It doesn't happen that often. And so to me, it became intriguing to, to first off see, is there such a thing as the idea that your personality and your actions can be influenced by something beyond your control? And if so, what does that tell us about who and what we are as humans? You know, where does your personality stem from then? Uh, How much free will, how much control do you actually have? So maybe the easiest way to start out here is, is sort of telling you um, the model that I think is, is the best model to describe the way that we are made up mentally. Okay. This is through the eyes of Joshua P. Warren. <laughs> That's right. We'll make that very clear. <laughs> That's our disclaimer. Um, you know, if, if I were, and, and by the way, I wrote about this in, in my uh, book, The Secret Wisdom of Kukul Khan, and, and it, this was the first time I decided to take a shot at this concept because it's so controversial and, and so disturbing in so many ways. But, you know, if I were to take a, a big, mighty hand and, and squeeze every bit of water and empty space from your body, you would literally be the size of a little pea. <laughs> that I can roll between my fingers. And what that shows you is that most of you is nothing. And, and that's why so much will pass through your empty spaces. You know, radio waves and x-rays and magnetic fields, they just kind of slip right through us. And this kind of loose cluster of matter has adhered to us. But we're very egocentric, uh, obviously, and so therefore it's easy for us to think of ourselves as an, an ultimate sort of mass. So if you consider that we are a very little delicate part of this environment, it seems to me the best way to describe what we really are at, at the heart of our awareness is this tiny little wormhole. And this wormhole connects your awareness to all of the cosmos. I call this the wormhole brain. It's, it's this tiny little funnel that is channeling information from the universe through you and back, actually, all the time. And this little tiny infinitesimally small wormhole has this little clump of matter around it. And that's why that we're able to sort of process uh, information that sometimes we're not supposed to know. You know, it comes from this collective consciousness. Mm-hmm. And, and in other cases, uh, we are a part of it, so we're, we're sending information back. So if, if, if you can sort of go on this mental journey, this, this experiment, this thought experiment, that, that we are just a tiny little wormhole of information being exchanged, then you have to ask yourself, well, what affects the way the information is being exchanged and passing through us? And I think that in the same way our bodies can become infected, our minds can become infected. And this little joint, this wormhole brain that kind of extends into the cosmic field, it probably can become subject to parasites. 
uh, to other wormhole brains that might be discarnate. Now, am I getting too weird here, George? Not yet. <laughs> okay, not yet. Hmm. Yeah, we, we will talk that. Um, and so these discarnate wormhole brains, you know, I use the example of the fact that, you know, you, you would be condensed down to a pea. Well, maybe a discarnate wormhole brain is actually what we are seeing in some of these incredible videos and images that we have of orbs that are sort of floating around and right. zipping in and out of objects and doing things that are beyond something that moisture or insects or dust particles could explain. And so if there is an individual who goes into a place where there is some type of a, a discarnate wormhole brain, it seems like this thing could actually lodge itself into your wormhole brain, especially if it's weak. And, and, and these, I think that that connection we have with the universe with our wormhole brains becomes weak because that we just don't exercise it enough. Um, and, and eventually, when this happens, there is energy that starts sort of both seeping out of you and being put into you that is different than what you inherently desire. And, and one way of looking at that is the reason, obviously, that we have biologically evolved to survive as long as we have is because our natural instinct is to value life, is to love each other, is to take care of each other. But when people start becoming possessed, meaning that they have this influence there, this parasite there that's sucking their energy, that they can't seem to get rid of. Well, yeah, usually it's a, it's a huge task. I mean, th these people, they start thinking about death all the time. They start thinking about either killing people or killing themselves. And when I talk about death, I'm not simply talking about the uh, taking of another life. I'm talking about taking the essence of another life in various stages, a lot of abuse. And, and I'll give you an example of, um, of a typical you know, exorcism-type scenario that, that I went into that helped me sort of understand what this was all about. All right. And mind you, I am not coming at this from a religious perspective. I have sort of an agnostic point of view, meaning that there's something big going on here, but I'm not certain exactly what it is. I, and, and that's, I think, probably the most honest way of, of viewing these big mysteries in life. There was a lady who contacted me probably about um, five or six years ago, and she told me that she was undergoing some type of a, a possession-type influence in South Carolina. Right. And I have to be kind of careful about some of the details I give out because, you know, this is a private uh, residence and private situation. So I went down to this lady's house, and it's, it's not very often that I get those kinds of, of calls, actually. And, and close by. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was relatively close by because, you know, I live here in North Carolina. So... Uh, I went down to her house, and she told me that the reason she believed she was being possessed was that 
house before her who was a very abusive man, uh, abusive to his family. He was a heavy drinker, uh, and he would uh, he would do just terrible, terrible things to the people who were around him. And he, he may have even killed a person or two. I mean, well, we're not certain about that. But once she moved into this house, she started having these dark, sort of deathly thoughts. And after she started having this sense that she was somehow akin to his spirit, then she said objects started moving around her house. And the first time I was there, I was sitting on a couch across from her with another researcher. He was sitting next to me on the couch. And she was standing in front of me. And on the wall behind her was a little decorative ceramic dove. And at one point I was talking to her and this dove just came flying off of the wall. And it pretty much launched off the wall, hit the ground, exploded into you know numerous pieces. Hmm. And this was um, so profound for me to see something like this. And this was so confirming for me that this woman was really in the midst of something amazing that I was determined that we were going to go back there and get some footage of this. So I, I, I went back there and I brought five or six camera guys. And at one point, we were in a bedroom and there was nothing going on in the bedroom. And then this woman walked into the bedroom and all of a sudden, this meter, which weighs about a pound, that was sitting in the corner, for those who are, are uh, investigators out there, it was a tri-field natural EM meter. This meter on camera, captured by lemur investigator Brian Irish, actually was, dare I say, not forward and then up on its side. It, it squealed first. You could hear this uh, big audio tone indicating there was some kind of force coming toward it, and then it went forward and up on its side, and these are significant motions because we're talking about, for one thing, this being, of all objects, a meter that showed us in part what was affecting it, and then secondly, the fact that it went forward and then up on its side, these perpendicular lines of motion. And, uh, in fact, the, the video clip that shows this is one of the most important video clips that I know of that shows some type of a poltergeist-like phenomenon. And if you've never seen this, uh, coasttocoastam.com has a link there to joshuapwarren.com, and I'm going to keep that clip up for a little while under the breaking news section there. I posted it just for the show tonight. So you can see what I'm talking about when this meter goes forward and then up on its side. And what this showed me was that this woman was experiencing something that was physically real, that um, there was something happening in her mind that was unleashing some type of pent-up psychic ability. And so she said she wanted to have an exorcism. Well, there was a fellow at the time I was familiar with, but I, he said that he knew how to clear these places. But um, he didn't really have a lot of expertise in doing so. But this woman was desperate. 
So I brought him into the situation, probably not a good idea in retrospect, and he, in this dark living room, um, started performing this type of clearing on this woman. And all of a sudden, she started howling. She threw back her head, and she started screaming, and she started speaking in languages I'd never heard before. Uh, and she was just writhing and twisting in agony. And I'm just you know, waiting to see if she's going to shapeshift and transform into some other type of you know, visage or what, what's going to happen to this woman. Well, she never actually transformed into a, another person, but after about maybe 30 minutes of this, she stopped and she sat up straight and she looked at me with these sort of cold, piercing eyes, and she said, get out of my house. Now, mind you, this is a woman who had invited me down there, who had been sure. very friendly. And, yeah, she she said, turned on you. Yeah, she completely turned, and she she also turned to one of her friends who was there and, and, and said to him, get the shotgun. And this guy, was he just, you know, uh, obeyed her, went off and got a shotgun, and we actually gathered up our equipment at basically gunpoint and got the heck out of there as quickly as possible. So I'm not telling you this is a success story and how to deal with a possessed person, but this is a realistic experience where I, I saw the objects. We video. It's one thing, one thing for me to come on here and tell you that you know I have seen objects move in a house, but we videotaped it. You know, I've got the footage right there, and when you actually document something like that and you see a personality change like that, it does show you that there is something that affects the stream of that person's awareness. And, you know, we, we can just call it crazy or, you know, whatever you want to say, but I, I actually think that everybody out there knows what is acceptable, what is normal, what is right. And sometimes when these wormhole brains sort of become infected with this parasitic influence, um, the person really is out of control. And uh, I presume after the break, we'll, we'll maybe play that audio for everybody. Yeah. But uh, We've got to cut down to about 25 seconds or so, but it's the meat of that exorcism, Joshua. You know, it's, it's just, uh, it's chilling, really, because what you see when you go into these situations, and, and I could talk... Uh, about all kinds of different scenarios that I've been in that are similar to that. What you see is that a person in front of you, actually at the point of the, the exorcism, sort of gives in to, to whatever he or she wants to do. And uh, it's frightening, in a way, to be in front of that scenario because uh, if this person just wants to, to roll around and scream and throw a, tenter, uh, a temper tantrum, you know, that's what they're going to do. If they want to shoot you, then they're probably going to shoot you. Um, it, it's a point at which they just lose control, and I, I, I really believe that there are times when that, of course, is an extreme example, but maybe, maybe we are surrounded by people 
who have a lesser degree of that influencing them all the time. Maybe so. Maybe so. Joshua, this wormhole brain that you talk about, it's like consciousness. Uh, is is that how the, you believe people get possessed? Yeah, I think that there there certainly is some uh, channel, some funnel of information that is coming in there through this wormhole brain and that that channel of information can be distorted no differently than any information passing through a, a wire conductor or, or light that's going through a pane of glass. I mean, if there's a distortion somewhere in there, that energy is going to be distorted. That's, that's why I think also, you know, the physical brain is there to take that energy from the wormhole brain and adjust it to whatever is necessary for you to live. So that's why your brain doesn't do the same thing that an eagle's brain or a snake's brain does, because we don't need that same channel of information to live in the same way that they do. And yet sometimes that physical brain is warped and it is infected by these other influences. Okay, we're going to come back with Joshua P. Warren. We'll listen to this exorcism. And we'll also take your phone calls on Coast to Coast. On our next Coast to Coast program, for the very first time, we will be talking about the metaphysical and the spiritual elements of police work through the eyes of a detective sergeant called Spirit of the Badge, 60 True Stories of Divine Guidance, Miracles, and Intuition. Should be a fascinating program. Up next, your calls, Joshua P. Warren, and a little clip of that exorcism on Coast to Coast AM. Joshua, set up this exorcism for us again, and we'll play this little clip. Yeah, George, this is from Russia, and uh, this clip was sent to me from a researcher who uh, I don't have his permission to give his name, but uh, he spends time in Russia, and this is one of those clips, and I, the, the entire clip's about a minute and 50 seconds, and I think we're going to play about 30 seconds here. And mm-hmm. to me, this is very typical of what you experience when you go to these sessions. So just imagine as you hear this, that you're standing in a dimly lit room with a person who is absolutely letting control, throwing her head back and and writhing in pain, screaming as she is influenced by all of these dark forces. And I think it is appropriate, once again, to give out a warning. Um, Some people, when they hear this, are very disturbed because it seems to just connect with um, this primordial sense that there's something very, very wrong with this whole situation. So... There you have it. Okay, here we go. Josh, that's pretty darn scary. I would have hate uh, hate hated to be there. Yeah, when you're standing right in front of people who are doing that, uh, who are, are screaming that way, there are times when, when a voice seems to come from their bodies that you do not think 
the person can produce. And I don't know if that simply means that uh, the, the person is a better actor than he or she ever imagined, or, or if there is, is actually some other uh, personality, you know, flowing through. But, but when, yeah, when you're standing there and you see that wild animalistic look in someone's eyes and you know they are capable of, of basically killing you at that point, uh, yeah, it, creepy is, is an understatement. Okay, let's take some calls while we have some time. West of the Rockies, Janet in Las Vegas. Hi, Janet. Hi, how you doing? Good. Go ahead. Good. Okay, well, um, I was wondering if, if this gentleman has heard of the parasite making people appear to be uh, energy vampires when indeed the parasite itself is sucking energy from the person and from the person it's attached to. Well, you know, Janet, that, that's a very good point because the energy vampire phenomenon is real. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I, I know people that I consider an energy vampire, and uh, everybody else I know who knows that person also says, yep, that's an energy vampire. On the other hand, there are people who energize you, and I definitely think that these, these parasites that attach themselves to the wormhole brain are, in some cases, uh, sucking energy from us. In other cases, they are actually sort of um, adding a negative energy by persuading us to behave in a way we would not normally behave. And you have to really go out on a limb in terms of traditional thinking to understand the fact that the whole origin of the life cycle, I mean, the, the reason that we actually have energy changing forms and, and beings changing forms in this universe is because everything, in a way, is, is trying to eat something else. Uh, everything needs to get energy from something else in some way. We, you know, we have to physically take a clump of an animal or a plant and put it in our mouths and chew it up and swallow it, but the end result is the same. We're getting the energy from it. And I think that these things, they're taking energy from us in that way. It's a very direct process. And if you want to get rid of the, the parasite that is possessing you, then you have to learn what it is that frightens that parasite away. So true. Windsor we go. Hello, Lynn. You're on Coast to Coast. Hi, Joseph. I'm going to email you this more in detail, but I'm just going to be surface here. Uh, my aunt, she's 83, and she's an Alzheimer patient. And um, I have discovered because that she has uh, she has a uh, goes into a uh, other personality, and people who are you know religious have said she's possessed, but she goes into a, a, a total different. I call it the exorcist um, stage. And then I have to call, like, you know, the ambulance and take her to the hospital. But I once asked her, I said, what happens, you know, to you? I said, why are you going through this? And she said, there's a shadow that comes to her, and it says do, to do things. And I says, well, why don't you stop it? And her answer to that was, like, she won't listen to me. And it comes in her mind, and I said, well, where do you go? And she says, I don't know. And I've noticed this, you know, just from observation that, when it comes out, it can be triggered just by anything, you know. And when it comes out, it's really, it's very, very weird and very, like, 
one, the first time it happened, I was frightened, you know, and, but, but then I, you know, I just looked and observed and I listened to people like you, you know, and I take notes. Hello? Yeah, well, Lynn, you know, I think that when you encounter those types of situations and especially when you, someone you love is going through that, it is evident, it's very clear that there is something that is overtaking the mind. And when it comes to Alzheimer's or, or similar mental conditions, it does show you that there is something about the brain, the physical brain, that is filtering what's coming from this wormhole brain. And when you know that, you know, this is a person that, that you love, that you have a relationship with, that you have a background with, and when you know that she should not be behaving this way, but now, now she is, it shows you that there is something happening there, either in the filtering process or the influence from this parasitic, you know, form that is, is actually changing part of who the person is. And, and, and that's important for us to understand. It's, it, it's very significant to realize that an individual's identity is a flow of information. It is a stream of data, so to speak, that's coming from the universe, and that can be influenced, and it's, it's very heartbreaking to see a person who is being shifted because they have this kind of infiltration, and yet at the same time you can see a person's personality change instantaneously because this darkness that she described as a shadow is real. How can an individual, Joshua, tell if they've been possessed? If you start having feelings that are counterproductive to life and happiness, and, and I know that you, know, you, you might by that standard say everybody's possessed, um, but, but... Lately. Yeah, it seems that way, doesn't it? Um, you know, the reason that we have been around so long is because even though it may not make logical sense to us, the human species has developed because that we are supposed to care about each other and we're supposed to protect each other and we're supposed to have this desire to continue living. That is what is, is natural for us, and that is why over millions of years we have naturally propagated the species. Now, obviously, you know, you could say it was just been just been a matter of, of you know, pleasure for us in some cases, but at the same time, um, that that pleasure was put there for a particular reason. That's the meaning of life from a biological sense. Now, on the other hand, if you start feeling things that are counter to that, if you start feeling that you want to to take life, you want to kill somebody, that you want to kill yourself, that you have lost this desire to care for others, to love for others. Uh, or, or to, to have a feeling of, of lovingness toward others, um, at that point, you might want to consider that there is something influencing what this natural flow is because that feeling is, is counterintuitive. That it does not fit into everything that biology and even uh, anthropology, for that matter, tells us 
is what we are designed to do. Okay, let's go to Austin, Texas. We go first-time caller. Hi there. Hello, George. Yeah. Yes, uh, my name's Adam. I'm a first-time caller. Adam, and you're in Austin. Go ahead. I guess, sir. Uh, I just want to say it's an honor and a pleasure to speak with both of you gentlemen. And I just wanted to make a comment, Joshua, about the footage that you have on your website of the meter tipping over. Right. Uh, I don't know if you noticed this, but right where the window's at, as the camera's panning up, there seems to be like a streak of white light that's right next to it. And as the meter tips over, it shrinks and then goes up. Have you noticed that? I have not noticed that. And, uh, you know, I'm so glad that you brought that up. See, for me, that is one of the most important things about posting footage and images like that because, you know, being there and seeing it, when I watch it over and over, I only focus on my recollection of what it was like to actually witness the event. But uh, And for, for listeners who, who may not know what Adam's talking about here, if you go to joshuapwarren.com, there is no period after the P, joshuapwarren.com. It's linked up at coasttocoastam.com. Uh, uh, there is this footage of, of a meter that is being sort of tossed around. Uh, it's moving on its own at the home of this possessed woman. And so this, this light, Adam, you're saying it, it expands and then shrinks in the window? Right. It's it's on the wall next to the window, but what's weird about it, as the meter tips over, you would think it's a reflection off of that, but it happens after it completely tips over, and it's a long streak of light, and as it tips over, as though someone had done their job, it shrinks and then kind of goes up as if it's leaving. Well, I, you know, I, I can't believe I've missed that, so I'm going to have to go back and, and look at that again myself. And, you know, when... When you, I hear stuff like that, what it makes me think of is that when a person becomes sort of possessed by these influences, then that person's perception of reality changes and warps in ways that are difficult for us to understand. And, you know, I, I've talked on this program before about how that to a certain extent you create your own reality, um, that you are in this collaborative process with the reality that is around you. And if a person actually believes that he or she can move an object and that person happens to be prone to telekinetic ability, then that person might be able to expend some kind of energy when this possession is at its height and and produce this, you know, effect that is part of a poltergeist phenomenon, moving an object because there's a particular person or persons in the room. And so uh, I'll go back and look, but this might have been a burst of energy that expended from this woman when she came into the room because that is what usually happens when some type of a, a paranormal event takes place that moves an object, and obviously that meter maxes out. Uh, yeah, and, and that clip, I don't think I have the audio on it, but in the actual clip, the meter squeals, it maxes out, and then you can see it flying around there. And as far as I'm concerned, I mean, this, this takes a great deal of energy, and it, it only happened when this woman who said she was possessed was in the room. Josh, when people do get possessed, 
can they battle it? Can they get rid of it themselves, or do they need help? I think the first, well, they can. They can. Um, the first step is understanding what it is about yourself, about your wormhole brain, that allowed this influence to infiltrate. And usually the most basic thing is uh, just a general mental weakness. Um, I'm talking about people who do not exercise their brains as a muscle. And that's what you have to really do. You, you have, Every day you have to make some type of point to work on puzzles or, or games or read history books or something like that to keep that brain strong. You, you, you must do this. If that wormhole brain becomes weak, then it's easier for these other influences to sort of squirm in there. But once you have something in there, then you have to try to determine what is it that's keeping it there. If part of the weakness in your brain is that you are uh, addicted to a drug or you're an alcoholic or that you are subjecting yourself to some you know, subject matter that you find is a, is a crutch for you to get through your daily life, then you have to address the fact that you have this crutch and you need to try to, um, you know, eventually, you know, move away from that. Or if you have um, some type of a, a wormhole brain that seems to be sensitive to religion, let's say you're a person of, of faith and you believe strongly in the power of God, mm -hmm. if you simply believe that God is going to help you and you focus on that, I think that that will, over time, help you strengthen the wormhole brain. And that's why there have been cases where, you know, I've gone to an investigation, and I, 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 I'm looking at this scientifically, and we can't get rid of some spirit. And then a, a, a minister comes in and does a, a religious ceremony, and it works. It must be because that, you know, unless you want to accept the, the hand of God has actually reached down and plucked this thing out, which I kind of doubt personally, um, that this has something to do with the person's ability to, to reinforce the strength of that wormhole brain connection. Joshua, once again, thank you for another paranormal moment, my friend. Hey, it's always a pleasure, and it just gets uh, weirder and, and more fun every week. So thanks, we'll, George. We'll see you next week. Joshua P. Warren, his website, joshuapwarren.com. He's got a number of books out there. Just go to his website. You'll also be able to track him in terms of his investigations and where he goes. For Dan Galanti, Tom Danheiser, Lisa Lyon, Lex Lonehood, Sean Latasur, Ross Mitchell, George Knapp, Ian Punnett, and Art Bell, I'm George Norrie, somewhere out there on Coast to Coast AM. We'll see you on our next edition. Until then, be safe, everyone. It was just really uncomfortable when, I, again, one of the uh, jobs that I had when I was very young was I was the Cinderella girl. And every little girl wants to be, you know, a little princess. I used to run down the street with, like, pajama bottoms on my head and be, you know, I want to be a princess. And uh, so being this ugly creature was, but that was very hard. You know, I used to stare in the mirror and just wonder why. Why did the boys want to make me so ugly? But um, that, that was all, really, was just putting up, putting up with the boys. <laughs>
The words to which I should like to call your attention this morning are to be found in the Gospel according to St. Mark, in the ninth chapter, verses 28 and 29. Verses 28 and 29, in the ninth chapter of the Gospel according to St. Mark. And when he was come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could not we cast him out? And he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing, but by prayer and fasting. Excellent day for an exorcism. Yay! Hey, a customary yay that means we're out of here. Martini shot. Know what I mean? So hopefully next week I'm going to be doing a swap cast with another great podcast that I just discovered. And that sucker is called Movie Ends podcast begins you gotta listen to it so search it out on anchor and enjoy the movie talk their first episode was about cannibal holocaust 1980s italian shocker that shock shook the world shocked the world whatever anyway i hope to be speaking to these guys next week calling in their show and recording it for my show Because I'm fucking lazy. (laughs) Peace out, people. God bless. This has been a Mark McCarrion production. Hey.